Hi, I'm Anissa, and you're listening to Ethnically Speaking. Being black is more than that. And when people do that, they reduce us, especially as women, to mm. just the way that we look or our physical features. I'm like, it's deeper than that. So I think those people have a really a lot to account for. And as Linda said, we can't just... They can't just be saying this day and age, well, I didn't know, or it's not harmful, because it is harmful, because people who are getting brand endorsements, they're going with people like Rita, or- Rita mm-hmm. Ora or Emma Hallberg, the influencer, because they're like, oh, we're being diverse because mm-hmm. they're kind of mixed, you know, they can pass, and it takes it away from people who are actually fitting into those demographics. Sophie. I'm Linda E. And I'm Luan Yasmin, and welcome to the 11th episode of Ethnically Speaking. We are four intelligent, curious, opinionated, highly melanated women here representing the UK. We're going to be talking about everything and anything affecting our communities from pop culture to politics and everything in between. So, Forget tiptoeing around subjects and technically speaking, because today we are ethnically speaking. So, Anissa, what has been on your mind since the last time I saw you? Okay, so you guys know Rita Ora, right? The R.I.P. love song singer. Okay, so (laughs) she has, both of her parents, should I say, are from Albania, so they're white Albanian. But she has recently mm-hmm. come under fire on Twitter um, for blackfishing. So for those who don't know what blackfishing is, blackfishing is when you use makeup or Photoshop or cosmetic surgery to appear like you have black or mixed race um, features or your black or mixed race heritage, okay? But Rita isn't the only celebrity that's been accused of this. Of course, we've had the Kardashians, Ariana Grande, that Instagram influencer, Emma Hallberg, Hallberg. Uh, They all appear to have black features Even though they're of European ancestry So my question is to you girls When it comes to celebrities Instagrammers, influencers Are they appropriating or appreciating When it comes to black features? I think appreciating black culture is actually a lot harder Than appropriating black culture And I say that because Black culture is one of the most marketable things on this planet Earth and mainstream culture is full to the brim with black culture. Although when it is in mainstream culture, it's not always presented as being attached to black people. And most of the time it's of more value when it isn't. Um, And I think that artists, it's for artists, it's really easy to fall under that cultural appropriation category because Mm-hmm. Black culture is not really considered popular culture until it is adopted by non-black people. And because black culture sells so well, I can only imagine the amount of um, encouragement artists would have to adopt it. But as an adult, I find it really difficult to believe that people don't see these double standards because black artists are encouraged all the time to cater to, to physically cater to white audiences. I mean, we talked about in episode two, Alexandra Burke having to 
listen to people encouraging yeah. her to lighten her no. skin and we see most of the times yeah. in more industries than just the entertainment industries you know you know last week we talked about Kamala Harris and um, Michelle Obama you have to have straight hair to have a certain amount of success um so it's 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 interesting to see adults kind of be okay with this because white creatives get to swim in all these rivers whilst black creatives are paddling in an overcrowded lake. So it's absolutely possible to appreciate black culture and, you know, cultural appreciation is a thing that exists, but I don't think it's a thing that we're talking about right now because if you appreciate it, wouldn't you just leave it alone? Wouldn't you want to be elevating the people that it originated from instead of using them as accessories for personal gain? And I think that's such an important point, Luanda, in terms of wouldn't you be wanting to lift up the people in that culture? Because for me, if you're going to be doing this, are you standing with us when we have the injustice? Are you the first person talking about why we can't get proper health care? Are you doing more than posting a black square on Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, if if you really feel for the culture, if you're like, I'm so down for the black culture that I want to appropriate your features and get fillers and to um, cosmetically enhance my buttocks, then be down for us because what really, what we're really seeing is people having the privilege to be able to put it on and if it doesn't serve them, take it off. And that's the thing that I don't like because you can take all the money that comes from it from brand endorsements, um, but when it comes to being in a neighbourhood and people don't want you on your doorstep because you're black or whatever, are you saying anything then? Exactly, and I think part of it is as well, with cultural appropriation, people aren't paying homage or, you know, literally acknowledging where these things have come from for example when king kardashian does these egypt things that they call box braids or whatever they call them when they're cane rolls she has a mouth instead of her to open her mouth and be like no these are actually cane rolls but they're from such and such she just takes the praise people be like oh these bantu knots i don't know what they're calling bantu knots i don't know they're calling them something else oh they're so exotic no just stop and say these aren't actually what you think they are like i think if more creators and influencers and celebrities would actually say no actually this thing that you're celebrating me for actually comes from such and such, then I would see it as cultural mm-hmm. appreciation. But because they just stay silent, they take the praise and they keep it moving. And like Sophie said, they have the privilege to take off those accessories mm-hmm. when it, when, when it pleases them. Because let's not lie, your skin tone, even if you're tanning it or, you know, what was that woman that was doing injections so her skin could be darker? Oh, yes. Babes. What? Babes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, some woman yeah. this morning. It was fake. She was actually taking shots. Yeah, taking a shot so her skin could be darker. I'm just like, but babes, you know, at the end of the day, you you miss one of those shots, you're going to go back to your natural skin tone, which will still give you the privilege you were born with. So for me, it's just, I I, I think the majority of things that I'm seeing are appropriation. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But when I'm, I agree. But when I'm starting to look at these celebrities and stuff like that, when I'm thinking about appropriation, I'm trying to figure out, like for some celebrities, I feel like the appropriation is happening at the individual level. Like they're very conscious of what they are doing and what they're emulating or what pieces they're taking. But other celebrities, I feel like it's not like an individual problem. I think it's like a little bit wider than that. And kind of go with me where I'm, go- I'm going here. Like, so... This is where I've been thinking about it because if you like black features or black culture, you know, it started to book up, it got a little popular and it became trendy. Okay. Whenever we have mm-hmm. a trend, here comes, you know, Mr. Capitalist, the Mr. Mass Media, and they take a hold of it and they commodify it. So just like as Luanda was saying, like this is something that is sold them and bought. So these people are buying it, whether it's through cosmetic surgery or makeup mm. or Photoshop, and it makes them 
and I'm not saying it's right, but I think for some of them, it gives them a false sense of entitlement. Like, oh, like, because I bought it, this, this identifies to me. This is a part of me. Like, this is an extension of myself, the evolution of my glow up or whatever it is. And they think, like, I think they think like that because... On, because when they look at their peers, everybody else is doing it because that's what they see in pop culture. And they may have people around yeah. them that then validate what they're doing. So like with Rhea Ora, of course, we saw her with, you know, we've seen her with box braids. We've seen her in a little broad, blonde afro. And we know that she yeah. has black friends because we see her toting around with the black friends all the time. And so they are obviously validating what is for her. So I think with a lot of these celebrities, they think, oh, what I'm doing is trendy. They're not... 100% thinking this is directly from black culture sometimes. I think they think this is trendy and I think that's where the media plays a part of it. Part of it. So then I think, okay, the media we know is the number one cultural appropriator, but sometimes it's not down to the individual. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? But do you know what? I feel like it's always down to the individual. Do you know what it yeah. is? I feel like, do you know why? As individuals, especially in the age we're living in, we have access to so much in the in information. And I think, yeah, yes, true. the mass media is, is terrible. It is what it is. But if you are really a sane, serious somebody, you're going to do your research. No, but you know what I mean? I think, yeah, I, know you mean. I think so many of our issues that we say, oh, but it's the media, we have a, what's the word, a duty to actually look for this information ourselves, to actually do our research. And I think people are just naturally lazy and happy to, you know, place the blame elsewhere. Oh, I didn't know it was cultural appropriating because Vogue put it in their, in their, in their September issue. I just thought it was a hairstyle. So I think people are just so quick to have the blame elsewhere. It's still mm. down to the individual. I look for me. I don't think that I. I agree with what you're saying in part, and Lisa. That well, in fact, do I? I don't know if I do actually, because people like Rita Ora. She was on like the Breakfast Club saying how, oh yeah, like a lot of people think that I'm black, and I'm fine with that because it's got me places. And for me, I'm just like, well, if that's what you think, like you feel like you can siphon down being black to our hair or the shade of your skin or okay. bigger lips or rolling with black people or music and it's like racial fetishization because mm. you think that that's what being black is it's being those few things so if i have big hair then yeah i, I could pass as mixed race i'm kind of i kind of am black and that's what she said on the wendy williams show so for me i'm like being black is more than that and when people do that they reduce us especially as women to mm. just the way that we look or our physical features i'm like it's deeper than that so i think those people have a really a lot to account for and as linda said we can't just they can't just be saying this day and age well i didn't know or it's not harmful because it is harmful because people who are getting brand endorsements they're going with people like rita or but rita mm -hmm. Ura, or Emma Hallberg, the influencer, because they're like, oh, we're being diverse because mm -hmm. they're kind of mixed, you know, they can pass, and it takes it away from people who are actually fitting into those demographics. Mm. I agree. I don't disagree with you. I agree. Mm. I hear that. I think that the whole black fishing situation actually just points again to us always celebrating the lighter skinned or more racially ambiguous members of yeah. the black community, especially when it comes to women, because I think with black men, um, in the entertainment industry or just in positions of power, they have more freedom to have darker skin because on a black male, yeah. dark skin represents strength. But when it comes to women, 
dark skin represents masculinity and that pushes you even further away from the beauty standards. Okay, I don't wanna interrupt, but let me just ask. So what do you think about the black men who are actually dating these women who have black features and it's kind of like, well, they're not really dating black. Let's say for the Kardashians, for example, the guys that they date, at least a couple of them are routinely black. They date black men and these black men are dating them and they have black features. Do you think it's something that's appealing to these guys? And what do we think it's saying about them? Because I'm like, so you want a woman with black features, you just don't actually want her to be black. Sophie, let's not lie, those guys are a mess. Let's just be very, very honest, okay? No, no, let's, let's be real. No, let's just, let's keep it 100, right? Those guys are a mess. Like, Mr. Kanye West, we've already seen what it is. It, I don't know, he's unraveling his downfall. And I'm not just talking about since he's been with Kim. I think, unfortunately, since his mum died, a lot yeah. has happened to that guy. And if you go through Kim's historic partners, even Ray J's, like, you know, I just, those men, I can't take them seriously. And it's not because they're dating those women. So I, don't get twisted. Women do your thing in it, whatever. But it's the fact that they date these women, but yet they don't lift up black women. That's why I can't take them seriously. And if you think about Kanye, he's you don't see that thing where he had his rally and he hugged some white woman and then a white a black girl yeah. asked him a question and he started berating this black girl like going at her but it's like hold on you're just holding you were, you were hugging the other white woman who interrupted you as well you brought her on stage to hug her but when a black sister came to interrupt you all of a sudden your guns came out and you had stuff to say and that's why I think yeah. the men that they're, they're a mess they are a mess and I think there's you have to the psyche I just feel like too many people are living with trauma and they've not been able yes. to identify it and therefore not been able to work towards the root of it and to make themselves whole again. Because babes, me that loves my mum, I love my dad. I can't now come and tell you, ugh, black men. No, 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 no. But give me a white man that has a broad nose and I'm all, f no, that's, that's not, that's not the life I'm living. <laughs> Linda, I, def I definitely pick up with you to even answer that question to Sophie. I do think a lot of them are living in trauma. And if you take, for instance, obviously, Chloe's ex-husband, Lamar, he came mm -hmm. out and said last year, um, I don't have healthy relationships with black women for so for a long time i didn't date black women because wow. i didn't know how to love them and he was just basically Damn. basically he had negative um experiences so he just stayed away from all black women mm -hmm. and he just didn't love them but now and then he said he you know he went through some healing now the woman he's engaged to is black a black woman yeah. and he's like you know this is where he should have been and blah 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 Jeez. so there is a lot there, so there is a lot of trauma because lamar spoke to that trauma obviously mm. kanye Mm -hmm. Kanye. Um, but like even if you take for instance even like Tiger when we all knew that he was messing with Kylie he told us as black people yeah. we didn't understand the concept of what a friend was when it was like no we know what friends are but that's not what you and this little girl is and so what I'm saying there's a lot, there's, there was just a lot, I think they're just not yes trauma there you go <laughs> I think since, I think on the topic of trauma I think when you have real relationships because I, I know that like any of us who's been in long-term relationships or just healthy friendships as well when you have those healthy relationships they will they will help you address the trauma we're not mm. gonna swerve it if we see some mm -hmm. things there we're gonna we'll work through it together but we're not gonna pretend like it doesn't exist you know and that again for me Sophie in terms of asking about like you know those black men with um yeah. these women it goes back to valuing black features when it's not on black people and this is why i said why it's so easy for um especially when it comes to women for people to be blackfished because they look like 
the version of a black woman that we're so used to seeing. We're so used to seeing black women with the are they, aren't they features and the are they, mm. aren't they skin tones. And so when, like I said, when you have like a, a, a non-black woman with, um, a, a good tan, a curly perm and a bandana, it's very easy for her to pass because this is the type of black woman that we're being presented with. And it's not to say that, you know, black men don't have their issues with representation. It's just mm. that they have yeah. more permission to be every shade at every stage of success. And with black women, you can be racially ambiguous and you can be biracial and you're still a black woman, but we are not represented as diversely as we exist. Hmm. Well, well yeah. said, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah and I think on that thing that you said in terms of like oh, this, the idea of passing like I think this whole black fishing it's funny because you see it flipped on its head now because before it was black people trying to pass as white but they were doing it because not only because it gave them benefits but to save their lives like to survive. your life could literally be and yeah you could literally be killed because of your skin tone but now we have um, white influencers and celebrities profiting on it because it's getting them somewhere and it's just not okay for me it's, it's not okay but ladies i've got a, a slightly different train of thought now because we're talking about kardashians and relationships right now i'm just gonna go slightly left with this one during lockdown <laughs> unfortunately weddings uh you know these huge traditional weddings that we know any of our highly melanated people listening you know about them big weddings and um, they have been a no-no during lockdown right and you know but people are still getting married which i think is absolutely beautiful but I just wanted to know, what do you guys think about, you know, women taking men's surnames when they get married? Do you think this is, you know, a archaic, misogynistic uh, kind of ritual? Do you still think it's a beautiful thing? Are you planning to do so? Have you done so? Like, what do you ladies think on this? Do you know what? I was reading an article on this website called The Lily and it talked about where this idea of actually changing your name as a woman came from and it kind of blew my mind. So they were saying in like 12th century England, like there would be a lot of people, let's say for example, had the name Robert, but when they wanted someone to kind of inherit the land or the house or whatever, they wouldn't be able to tell which Robert in the town. So they said, let's add a surname so that we can know exactly which Robert we're talking about. So then when something is given to Robert, we know that everything under his surname is his property. So mm. then you have women mm. who go from their father's surname to their husband's surname because it's a transfer from her, her father's property to her husband's property. And it does have misogynistic undertones. That's what mm. I'm trying to say. There are mm -hmm. misogynistic undertones. And I don't know if I think about it like that in this day and age. And I don't think a lot of women do. So I would think that it probably comes down to personal choice and whether you actually want to take the name. I have a very personal story about this, guys. But let me yeah. let someone else speak and then I'll, I'll come Aww. back. I'll come back. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I've never thought about it. And I know that sounds strange, but I just have yeah. never thought, will I keep my surname? Will I, will I not? Because I don't know, like, my surname has been my, my name my whole life. But I guess I won't understand how attached I am to it until I'm put in the position where I have to unattach myself. So it's kind of hard for me to say. And, like, it's not like the name won't go on. I've got so many brothers. Like, they'll carry the name. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think, for me, it will really be... Because it's not an act, it wouldn't be like, for me, it'd have to be a vanity thing. And I know that sounds crazy, but my name is like short and sweet and it sounds good. And that's how I present myself. But <laughs> Rolls if, off the tongue line. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and if, my, if unfortunately my partner's surname, I would feel is a difficult name. 
And I know that sounds even crazy to say. I just don't know if I take it. What do you mean by a difficult name, Anissa? Let me just say. Are you talking about our original African surnames? Is that what you're telling me right now? No, 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 Linda, because it's not only African surnames that are long or have lots of letters. And that's not what makes it difficult. Let me not say that either. I'm talking about, like, Pronunciations like, do you know how many times people look at Nicole Scherzinger's name and go, Scherzinger, I wouldn't want to be Anissa Scherzinger, I just would not want to do that. Do you know, like, that's just my personal preference. I would just want a name that sounds good, and I think, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I would just want a name that sounds good, and I think if I take it from like my mum, not to put her business on front street, but you know, when she got married to my dad, obviously, she took my dad's surname, right? Then her and my dad got divorced. And she got remarried again, but she kept my dad's surname. So she, even though her and my dad have been divorced my whole life, she still have my dad's surname. And she always said, wow. because it just sounds good. I like the way it sounds. <laughs> and so I think that has been, I honestly think that has been drummed in my head. Like, oh, I just like the way it sounds. So I think that's why for me, it's a bit of a difficult one. But I, so it really depends on how good it sounds. And that sounds so vain, but literally until I'm faced <laughs> with it, I don't know how deep it will go for me. Right. So, you sit in I your mean, truth, girl. You sit in yeah. your truth. I Literally, <laughs> we all have our reasons, but I think I think for me, because I have um, Caribbean heritage, I look at surnames just a little bit differently. I've never been particularly attached to my surname because I know that when um, African people were brought over to Jamaica, where my family is from, as slaves, their surnames were taken away from them. And mm. so... Most slaves had the surname of their owners, of their mm -hmm. masters. And after slavery yeah. was abolished, they would then choose their own surname. So they would name themselves maybe something that that's um, in relation to the plantation. Because, you know, a lot of families were separated because they could do that. So they were hoping, you know, maybe now that we're all free, we can find each other again. And you'll maybe be able to find me if I name myself um, where we were both born or something like that. So for mm -hmm. me... I don't really have any intention. I have thought about it, to be fair, Anissa. And I know that if I was to get married, I wouldn't take a man's surname. It's just never been something that I've had the desire to do. What mm -hmm. I want to do is because I don't see myself as like entering as an attachment to your family. I see us as creating our own. So because I already don't mm -hmm. have an attachment to my maiden name, I'm not also not going to have an attachment to your name. I want us to create a new family name together because we're creating a new family. My friend That's did that. That's actually really made. beautiful. Yeah. My friend did that when she got married. They took both of their surnames and they both legally changed it. So, for example, if she was Smith and he was Turner, they both became the Smith Turners. Yeah, I don't like that hyphenation business, though. But make it but up. It no, I she that. You know what she changed his name. <laughs> it was cute. No, no, but I get his what. Name and she changed their name. So that I, their feel, I feel what you're saying. I think that's, that's the reason why I mentioned the thing about um, like my heritage, because I don't have any attachment to my surname whatsoever. So I don't need it to stay. I don't need to be hyphenated. It just doesn't need to be here. It just doesn't. We'll make a whole new name from scratch. Like, let's get the drawing board, the pens, the pencils. We'll make it today. Do you know what? I think that is so beautiful and like for me personally I like I wish my because I'm definitely marrying my boyfriend I'm just saying that I'm putting out there right yeah. now hey. um, I approve this message he's very handsome. thank you <laughs> you guys are very attractive couples I approve I'll be out don't you guys gas me don't gas me right now Can please I yeah. but you know what I wish he would want to make up a surname because I know he'll be like just side eyeing me but to be honest for me it's, it's you know what my kind of reasoning kind of stems from what Luanda has said for me I've been very lucky that my surname and my boyfriend's surname 
are both our traditional surnames. We were never mm. changed. So it doesn't mean that we necessarily weren't, our, our, our lineage didn't, didn't go into slavery at any point, but the most recent history that we have in terms of the last few generations of both our families have their original African surnames. And for example, my surname is Mugwekwe. Girl, I'm not gonna lie, I'm it like, what power? It must be that. <laughs> you know? But like, my surname's Aguerque, and I obviously I'm Linda E, and I'm not gonna lie, it's gonna be weird to not be Linda E, but I'll still be Linda E, you get me? But my surname means don't yeah. let fear control you. So when I think of like the Ooh. power, you know it, man. Yes, I think yes, that's the way it is. Yes, girl, yes. <laughs> you know? So when I think of some of the surnames, Ooh. I can't remember what my boyfriend's surname means, but when I just think of some of the power that arrives from them, I'm just like, yeah, like, and for me, because my parents, you know, they did they're very traditional and my boyfriend's parents are very traditional for me I'm like yeah when I get married I'm taking that surname but I like what Jay-Z yeah. did with Beyonce and I hate to mention them but when they got married because um, Beyonce's dad at the time had no male children he Jay-Z took on both names so they are Noles yeah, Carter, Carter so that the Noles I just think wow. it's just what, it's cute wow. it's just beautiful it's beautiful it's so cute so let me tell you guys so for me um, I always thought that I would change my name. I never even thought about it. Like from a traditional black standpoint, like it's kind yeah. of well, yeah, it's just kind of standard. It wasn't until I was engaged that I was just saying to my husband, actually, I don't want to give up my name. I went. I realized how oh. attached I was to it when I was engaged. I was like, my surname is the only surname I've ever had. I, for me, I realized this is like my first name. It would be like changing mm. my first name because mm-hmm. this is the only name. I've ever had to be identified by and it actually caused some friction because he's also very traditional as well and he was just like well why wouldn't you take my name he was just like no and I like for him he would never even consider taking my name he wasn't I was I tried the maybe we should merge them and make he was just like nope not gonna happen so the end of the story is I never actually changed my name and uh, he's probably not still happy about it but (laughs) but for me I just was kind of like I was yeah I just realized that it was a really keen part of my identity and to be honest I think I will change it in the future because I do want our children to all have the the same surname and I wouldn't Mm. I wouldn't have my children take my surname I'm just like no these are our children and you know I don't know if I make a generalization, but for black men, it's very important for their children to have their name. It's like their legacy and mm. their lineage. So for me, I wouldn't have an issue with that. But I feel like I didn't ever realize that I would be a sort of woman who would have a who would have a problem with it. See, and that's why I'm thinking about until like, how will I feel when I get into that situation? Because right now, and just even listening to Lavanda is maybe why. That's why I was like, oh, I don't really have. I'm not really attached to my surname because. Like Luanda said, it was really, like, every time I look at my surname, for those who don't know my surname, I'm not going to say it, every time I look at my surname, I am reminded of slavery. There is, like, no way for me to not look at my surname and think anything differently. There is no, I promise you, there is no other thing for me to look at and know. So when I see it, I'm just kind of like, I'm not bothered by it. So I'm not, like, it, it doesn't have this big meaning for me. So the only, so... The only way I could change it is once again, it's so complex because now it's never had meaning to me. So I guess I wouldn't mind changing it unless it was, didn't sound the other surname. As long as it sounds good. good. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is what, it's so complex because now I'm thinking about it because as Amanda said that, I don't have any attachment to my surname. So why would I keep it? 
Does that make yeah. sense? Now, I'm just yeah. thinking it through. Sorry. Yeah. Through. But for me, yeah. in terms of children, Sophie, because you said, like, oh, it's important for them to carry on their legacy. For me, it's important that we create a legacy together. Who's yeah. being pregnant? Who's pregnant? Me or you? <laughs> Who's pushing them out? <laughs> me. What? Do you know what I'm me. saying? <laughs> like, in terms of first names, one of my friends, and um, we, we talked about this the other day, like, oh, have you thought about kids' names and things like that? And she said she knows exactly what she's naming her children. And she said to her partner, mm -hmm that he can name all of the kids that he pushes out so i think sometimes oh. we just got to just gotta take the power back guys i don't i don't think it needs to be like mine or yours i think it should be ours in in every situation because it's a partnership you know i would really love that to be the case but i think with the men that black men that i've dated i don't a lot of them like I'd call my husband a feminist in some areas, but in some ways he's still kind of traditional. And I, I, for the black men I've dated, I found them to be traditional in that sense as well. So if it is something that you feel strongly about, you really have to really stand and make a point and date somebody who is gonna be who's gonna be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot of alternatives. So like you said, making your own name, doing a double barrel, moving your last name to your middle name, so that you mm -hmm. feel like I don't have to let it go. Because Beyonce's name is actually her mother's. Her mum's mum's maiden name was yeah. Beyonce, wow. and she let it. She moved it into Beyonce because she didn't want to give up her maiden name. So yeah, there that's are amazing. A lot of alternatives for people yeah. who want to try and find a workaround. That is so Ladies, cool. another alternative question, right? Talking about all this being traditional and you know taking last names, etc. How do you feel about proposing to a guy? Like, if you propose, would you then say, "Look, because I proposed to you, you've got to take my surname." <laughs> And Nisa cannot no, shake her head nope. in her. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Nah. I, I have to be possible. Not possible. Not possible. I'm cruising. <laughs> Not in life. I mean, Luanda, Luanda, I want to know if you would do it because I feel yes, like in some yeah, areas that's you would definitely have thinking woman on here. So would you propose to a guy or is that, is that bucking? One step too, too far. Much, too much. Too much. <laughs> so the thing is with me, I'm at the point now where I don't know if I even want to get married. I'm definitely comfortable with monogamy and I'm comfortable with long-term partnerships. I'm, I'm, I'll be happy to choose a life partner, but I don't mm -hmm. know if marriage is something that I want. And that's because I just, for me, I just feel like I need to learn more about it and what it means because I think it's actually more convenient to the government than it is for us and our relationships. We can make lifelong commitments to someone and the bank doesn't need to know about it, you know? So I think I just need to learn more about it and see if it's if, see if that's something I really want before I make that decision. Because I know that for, for most of us, women we're taught to see marriage as a goal and it's not a goal for me like happiness is a goal for me but marriage is not and that's how we get ourselves into unhappy marriages or mm. you know we get to like 35 and we're like oh time's ticking i need to do this i need to do this i need to do this when actually in fact all you need to do is live your life to um the truest form that it is for you so for me i'm still figuring it out so i don't know yet i don't know I know that I am oh, proposing to no one boy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and at that and at that statement, I just want to remind you that we are at the halfway point of today's show. And as always, we're gonna tell you to take a minute to press that like button, press that subscribe button so you don't miss anything that you that the United Melanin Group is bringing your way. So press right now. 
So today we've been talking about changes. So first of all, we talked about black fishing and white European celebrities and influencers who are literally changing themselves and their features to appear black or mixed race. Then we talk about changing your surnames and whether it's something that women still want to do in the 21st century. But now I really wanted to talk to you about the changes that retailers are trying to make to buyers and customers. So Selfridges is the latest retailer to jump on the clothing rental bandwagon. The department store, Selfridges, is teaming up with her, which is an online rental fashion platform. And together they're giving customers the opportunities to rent up to 100 items from 40 different brands for up to 20 days at a time. Now, you guys know fast fashion gets a really bad rap and they're constantly saying that it's unsustainable. And what we're seeing with Selfridges is a move to try and attract younger and more ecologically minded buyers and consumers, especially during a difficult time in UK retail because of the coronavirus pandemic. But what I really wanted to do is get you ladies thoughts. Like, What do you think of the concept of online rental fashion and buying and services? Like, is it something you've ever done? Is it something that you would ever do? And do we actually think it's a solution to fashion sustainability problem and the cutting of purse strings and less money? Or do we actually think that they're trying to encourage women to keep up with the Joneses and to stunt with fashion that they actually cannot really afford? Okay, well, <laughs> for me, okay, would, would I ever do it? I don't know. And that's that's the honest thing. And the reason why the reason why I say I don't know, because for me the idea of this renter fashion, should I say, um, isn't like a it isn't like a new concept to me. Because if I because in my mind, or hopefully has been working outside of my mind, is like when you think about celebrities or different things like that, a lot of the time like their stylists may borrow clothes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it's just another it's another evolution of retail, but it's just opening it up to the mm. wider public. So for me, the reason mm -hmm. why I said I don't know if I would do it because I'm thinking everyday clothes, absolutely not. I could just go buy my my mm. everyday clothes. But if for example I wanted to do like a photo shoot or something and I just wanted to put together this like really sick concept and visual and I need certain pieces, then yeah, I possibly could rent it for my photo shoot and then and then not. But the issue is the issue where I think it will come into this whole drip or drown kind of situation for some mm -hmm. people is the purpose of the purpose <laughs> and the intent. The drip or drown, honey. I do. Yes, girl, that's a great that, statement. I love that, it. She's do. got so many one-liners in. And it, I, I love you, girl. I love you so much. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the reason why I think it will become an issue is people's intent or reason behind it. Because I think yeah. if you are using it to keep up with the Joneses or to make yourself look a different way on the internet or for other people to perceive you in a different way, that's mm -hmm. when it becomes a negative situation. Because for me, it'd be like, it, 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 it's just, it would be unhealthy because it'd be like another addiction or obsession to me. Yes. You're so addicted with trends and fast fashion and people seeing you a certain way. You're obsessed with this idea that you would go, that you would abuse the idea of, you know, your renter fashion. So that's what I think. For me, yep. personally, I think it's something that could work, but it's all behind the person's intent who's doing it. 
that's mine. Anissa, you, I feel like you've just said everything I could possibly say because, like you said, like at first I was thinking I would never ever do that. But then I thought, hold on, if I've got one of these events to go to, and the thing about me is I'm so last minute in buying stuff. And it's not because I don't have the intention to do so, but sometimes life just gets busy and I forget to buy an outfit. So I'm thinking, instead of me stressing about trying to, you know, me trying to get next to a delivery or 12 hour delivery the day before, <laughs> I swear, I might just go rent something from Selfridges, you know, bop a nice outfit for that particular event and then ping it back. But I think you're right, it's the intention. And for me, my everyday clothes and even like the, I, I'd say, 95% of the stuff I wear, even 99% I can't I can't really imagine renting but you're right celebrities do it all the time they do it with cars they do it with houses they do it with um, jewellery they do it with clothing like they are constantly renting but I think it's you know yeah. we see them as oh they're rich these are all the different gums they have and this 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 and the other but you're right if someone does it to drip or drown and that you know obsession with drip life because it is another obsession it's you know act. I don't want to say acting your wage because you know what there's certain people that earn less than me that are better with money than me and therefore have accumulated more which is fine so it's not always about how much you earn but mm -hmm. it's that perception of oh you know i've got this this, this i've got unlimited amount of gums and all of my gums are designer and i think if you're doing it for that reason then i feel for you because it's just not a healthy kind of mind frame to have but i might actually you know rent, yeah. rent a nice gum for like a, a um what an event like when I say event I mean like a, a not a fashion show but like an award show or if I'm doing a red carpet yeah. then yeah let me get something real quick real nice real snazzy and me I'll probably say in, in, in the caption rented from such and such because sorry ain't no one gonna come and tell me that I'm standing up for, for no one you know I will start when it's mine <laughs> <laughs> I think for me like this topic is so interesting for me because I'm someone, I love clothes, like I honestly do, like clothes are so personal to me, like it's about communication, it's the way that I communicate my mood, my thoughts, like, like it's, this is very personal for me. So when I first started thinking about this topic, I was like, I don't know if I could ever rape because I don't like to part with my clothes, like I don't really get rid of them. And my friends laugh at me because I only ever buy things that I love, like if I don't love it, I won't buy it. Like if I'm like, oh, it's okay. I just need a vest top. I won't do it. I'm just like, I have to love the vest top. So <laughs> everything in my wardrobe, when I put it on, I feel kind of special because I know I love this when I put it on and I love it when I love the way it makes me feel as I love the way it makes me carry. So I was firstly thinking renting and having to give it back. I don't know. But if you are going to an awards show and you can get a dress at like 10% or 15% of the value, then why wouldn't you do that? But my issue with it is that this new renting clothing seems to be pitched at rich women because the clothes that they're trying to sell are high-end designers. So mm -hmm. for me, it's just like, well, who are you really even marketing this at? You're marketing it at a very specific type of person. And when I looked at some of the websites, the only people they were advertising were slim, straight-sized white women. And a lot of them don't have a variety in sizes. So my wide hips aren't getting into it. And for me, I'm just like... It, for me, I'm just like, it still feels like it's not actually trying to apply to the masses, but a very select few people who have a high disposable income. Mm. Hopefully that will change and hopefully this is the beginning of something that most brands will expand to. But um, in mm -hmm. terms of the stunting thing, I think the type of people who want to stunt with things that they can't afford will find a way. Like when there's a will, there's a way and they yeah. will do mm -hmm. it regardless <laughs> of these renting schemes anyway. Because I don't know if you guys had this at school, but when, when, when I was at school, we had the EMA scheme 
which meant that yes. um, students from a yeah. certain yeah students from a household who were earning a certain amount of money could get a weekly allowance. So obviously yeah. this was supposed to be for like underprivileged kids to you know get essential items like lunch and books and pencils, sharpeners, all 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 of those things. Um, all of my friends that were on the EMA scheme, bar one person, spent it on trainers and alcohol. So I think that the type of people who want to look like they're living a certain lifestyle will find a way to do that, regardless of whatever yeah. schemes are available to us, you know? But I think for me, this is the first time that I'm hearing about something like this, which is why I said, I hope it will expand. I hope, I hope. <laughs> because I actually, I think it would be a brilliant idea. For me, um, my friends and I always used to go to like upcycle events where you can bring things that you don't want and you can exchange them for other people's pre-loved items and that's mm -hmm. like great in terms of sustainability but in terms of personal fashion doesn't really go a long way so I would always yeah. find myself struggling to find things like you said Sophie that I loved and I, I find things I'm like yeah it's all right I guess but it's nothing that I'm like oh I'm so excited about this so in terms of yeah. fashion I actually want to care about and I actually um, that I would shop for it would be great to be able to rent it and then instead of wearing it once and having it sit in the bottom of my wardrobe until I do a clear out in three years be able to give it back yeah. so that someone can use it again I was just thinking because I can imagine myself doing it for like a photo shoot or something but it'd have to be with an asterisk that I was the first person and I know yeah. that's I, <laughs> no, I, I, really, I, I have a no I agree I agree with really, you Anissa yes I have a really odd about wearing Phobia. clothes that other people have been in. Yes. It's you wouldn't share my clothes? You wouldn't share no, my clothes? No, no, and, and, like... and it's not It's not personal. It's just oh, no. Snap. It's really, <laughs> I'm just the <laughs> weird about it. It's, it's, it's good. Good. <laughs> Levi said, don't make me lie to you, girl. I do not want to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't make me lie to you. It's weird to say because me and my twin sister share clothes, but I don't see her as a separate person or like an extension mm, of myself. But for me, fair. like, all my sisters are older than me, even my twin sister, but my older sisters are like gaps older than me and they all have different body sizes. So it was never like I was borrowing their clothes or got hand-me-down. So I was never used to really having anybody else's clothes than mine. And then a mm -hmm. couple of years ago, I think when I was in college, it got really trendy to be like vintage shops and second-hand clothes yes. and all go down Shoreditch and Petticoat oh. Lane. And, you know, go get something at Petticoat Lane. And so all my friends would do it. I was thinking, yeah, I could go down to Petticoat Lane and get some stuff. And we were in the store and I, my stomach was lit. I couldn't physically do it. It was not in me. It was like my spirit said, Girl, no, you're too Lisa. Funny. No, it literally, it was like my spirit said, no. I said, I actually can't buy this stuff. I cannot. And all my friends bought it. But it was just, I could not do it. And it's not because I'm some sort of elitist. But it was just like, I don't know if these people's body. I don't know if this person died in it. I don't know if they're like vibes in it. I don't know. So I couldn't. And that's do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth. <laughs> do you know what? Do you hear Nisa's um, experience? I had the exact same experience. <laughs> I don't know if it was on the exact same day, yeah. But my sister was doing this whole vintage thing. I was like, okay, let's try it, right? So we went down to like Brick Lane, yeah? We went into this vintage shop. As soon as I stepped in, a bad mood took over me. <laughs> yeah? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those where like, you put up a bag. I swear to God, you're supposed to fill up a bag for like five pounds or ten pounds, yeah? And she was going around, happy as Larry, and I was just fuming. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, that, that was the exact experience. 
My friends and I used to thrift shop all the time. And then when Macklemore released thrift shop, I was like, I feel seen. <laughs> I feel seen. <laughs> Someone's hurt me. <laughs> but that's the so, thing. I think in terms of like the thrift shops, and I think it is a very personal experience about how you feel in clothes and whether you want to wear other people's clothes. So I definitely get that. I think in terms of like the fashion sustainability side, they're saying that they don't even know if clothing rental is going to be fashion sustainable because they're saying everything, like you guys were saying about, is it clean? They're saying every item needs to be dry cleaned. And they're like, Mm -hmm. dry cleaning uses up a lot of energy. They went to send it to people and for them to return it. They went is also using up a lot of time, a lot of fumes into the world. Mm -hmm. They're saying like to deliver something costs 44 pounds worth of carbon into the atmosphere. Like, the facts on this stuff is insane. So they're saying, we don't actually know if this is going to be sustainable. And it makes me feel like the people who are doing it or the companies, I think they're just trying to turn a buck like on yeah. clothes that they know is probably are not selling. So if we get it out to rent and they're saying, if you put a serious tear or hole or stain in it, you have to pay the full price of the item. And people are borrowing things that are like £2,000, £3,000 for a fraction of the cost. And personally, I don't want to be left with that cost. So... I, yeah, I don't think it's as straightforward as they're trying to make it seem like, oh, we're trying to be ecological, but there's a lot of things going on in the background. To be honest, when I heard of it, it reminds me of a Klarna. What is it? Say Klarna, if I'm correct, is like on ASOS, they have it as well, where you can part payment for things. So you can buy something and then make regular payments over three or four months. And I was actually really upset. I was really upset when I saw that on ASOS because I'm like, you're actually encouraging people who don't have money and might not be able to pay this to get themselves caught up in this payment plan and they could be signed up for a dress they've worn once for four months? I'm like, it's insane. I'm personally never going to rent something that I can't afford, but I think from an environmental standpoint, it, it, it... in my brain, I'm thinking it has to be better. Like, how can it not be better? Because the the most damaging thing that fast fast fashion can do is mass production. And that's because yeah. of how much water it takes to create clothes. Like one, um, to make one cotton t-shirt is 700 gallons of water, which means that one person can have eight cups of water every day for three and a half years for that same amount. And if you make a pair of jeans, that's 2000 gallons of water, which means eight cups a day for a whole decade. So, you know, there there have been even, there's like the Alar Sea in Uzbekistan, which over 50 years of um, cotton production dried up and was one of the largest lakes in the world. And now it's just small, small ponds here and there. So I think like if you're reducing the production, it has to be better. And I know that, like you said, it could just be, you know, for money, like this just could work out yeah. um, with our lesser sold items and things like that. But I think as it expands and as it gets to the more um, affordable retailers, then they're yeah. actually going to have to think about this stuff because they know that they have eco-friendly customers and people who want to have sustainable fashion. Like that is what most of my generation is focused on now. So you have to cater to that. And we're going to background yeah. check. So do it right. <laughs> But I was going to say, that what, just to, to correct on one thing, because I read it yesterday and I would have thought the same, that it was about mass production is the biggest waste, but they're saying it's actually the the delivery. So people who are Damn. ordering next day and delivery, they are actually the ones putting up the most um, economic or the most affecting climate change. Isn't even mass production, it's delivery. So there, this is a wide problem that we need to think it about is. from all angles yeah. because it's really affecting our oh community. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a... the moment, fast fashion like contributes to 10% of carbon emissions. If, of all humanity, yeah. 10%. And the second yeah. largest um, 
water so like water sources is fast yeah. fashion as well so it's it's crazy <laughs> I love next day delivery. No, me too. <laughs> me too. I, me too. I, for a year. I love it. I, I love it. Honestly, honestly, I, honestly, I love it. Like, I'm a whore yeah. for next day delivery. Me too. Like, yeah. I'm not imagine Amazon. In my yeah. head, I'm like, you're not just delivering my items. You're delivering lots of other stuff as well. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what they do. No, I'm just on the way. Don't do it. The way they very fast on that high horse of sustainability. Because for me, like it was, I was so focused on the water, and then you was like the, the delivery. And I was like, damn, yeah, <laughs> damn like, it. it hit me too. Can I catch it hit me break? too because they said it's better to bulk buy. I'm going to a wedding in a couple of weeks, guys. I've ordered like seven next day deliveries. It's a joke. So yeah, anyway, it's damn. A lot. Okay, well, you know, we're all working on it. We're all trying our best to do what we can for the planet. But speaking of renting and lending, there has been a viral video of Melania Trump refusing to lend a hand to her husband, Donald, after he outstretched his arms. <laughs> so it got me thinking, obviously in that relationship, there's a lot more going on than just not wanting to have a PDA. But I wondered what you guys are comfortable doing in terms of public displays of affection. How far are you comfortable going and how far are you comfortable witnessing? Do you know what? Yeah, I'm really, really comfortable with PJ. I remember. I think that it was does like, not surprise me. I love it. I knew. No one I love that. On our second date, right, my boyfriend and I, we had walked down from Edgware Road, and for once, Keep it PG, of us, girl. listen, we're now with PG, and neither of us had driven, so we're both getting on public transport, and I think we stopped at like a Marble Arch train tube station, and we went in for this big snog session, and people started clapping for us. <laughs> like we were doing Make it like the movies. That baby. Make that baby. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what it is though? I, for me, I've always been a person where the way I am, I'm very, very, um, what's the word? I, I'm very, Tactile. not just emotional, not just, not, no, 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 I'm, as in, like, I, I'm very t- open. I'm very open. My emotions flow through my body. They flow through my face. You know, when I'm with someone, however I feel for them, it flows through my body. And I've always been very comfortable with PD. Obviously, be- being um, mindful of which surroundings I am. Like, if I'm, you know, with, like, all my aunties and uncles, I'm not going to be, you know, rubbing off his face. Um, but, you know, a touch here, a touch there, you know, a stroke here. Like, I'm very comfortable with those things just because that's how I've naturally been. And luckily, my partner is, he might not be as comfortable as me, but you know, he, he does these little, you know, little hand things. So I think it's just, I just, I, I love it. And when I, when it comes to seeing PDA, I won't lie, it's sometimes awkward. If you see a couple kissing, you do kind of want to look away. But I just love seeing people being affectionate. So if I see like a couple holding hands or, you know, I don't know, I just love to see little displays. I just, I love, I love love. I love romance. I can't help it. Aww. That's sweet. <laughs> And he's just like, that's sweet, but I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really tough because I hear myself in Linda, but then I also know myself, okay? Because I, I am a person where the emotion just flows out of me, right? I'm I'm just that, I'm like an amorous person, like an affectionate person. Like, I, I love love. And that is how I am, but only in the confines of my house. It's like as soon as my big toe crosses the line, only I, can't do it. I, I can't do it. And do you know what? It's so many reasons. One, I've said this a few times on, on air, but I, I'm a big prude. I am such a prude, it's actually unbelievable. 
like, I'm even going to give you a snippet of it. I'm such a prude, guys. I can't even watch kissing scenes in TV shows. I have to fast forward. I cannot do what? it. I can't. It makes me uncomfortable. I just can't do what? it. Anissa, what, Anissa, what kind of shows are you watching? Because every show that I watch is like some kissing. No. Sex scenes. <laughs> exactly. Wild these days, exactly, And so that's why I have to fast forward. I can't do it. I just... There is something that makes me ridiculously uncomfortable. I am just a prude. So when I walk outside my door, that prudish behaviour comes over me. <laughs> so when I see public displays of affection, I'm just like... I can't even function. I don't even understand how it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Not to say that I've never had public displays of affection. When I was younger and there was a lot of alcohol involved, then it's a whole different situation. But a sober Anissa, a sober older Anissa is not doing public displays of affection. When I'm in the house, we can be affectionate. It's important for me to have a man that's affectionate, but only affectionate in the house. When we're on the street, I don't mind if we're wow. doing... I don't mind if we're doing street soldiers. So no hand-holding. No hand-holding. No hand-holding. No hand she did not. No, honestly. I'm not really like a link arm, hold hand kind of girl. I, I'm just not. Maybe really? in the house, but not wow. outside of the street. They're spudding. Wow. You're spudding, isn't it? Give him a salute. Give your soldier a salute when it's on exactly. his way. Exactly. <laughs> That, that nod, like, no, the thing is, I don't know what it is, guys, but even if I physically would want to, there is something that my body won't physically allow me to uh, do. Yeah. The prude just comes over me. I can't yeah. do it. Can't. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all different. We're all different, right? I think for me, like, in terms of public displays of affection, I think they're one of two ways, right? So in terms of Linda, I think you've got your your honeymoon stage or like you literally genuinely can't keep your hands off each other. And sometimes, you know, a snogging situation where you get an applause from strangers, it happens, <laughs> right? But then on the flip side, I think you also have like performative PDA. And what yeah. I mean by that is you either have people, um, couples who are insecure in their relationships and feel like they need to prove something to the outside world um, mm -hmm. or they are marking their territory, right? Mm, so yeah. I remember one time that I was at a party with my friends and I and I went with one friend. So I knew one person in this whole house party. And but you know me, I speak to everyone. Very friendly. Doesn't stop it doesn't stop a girl. I'm a <laughs> I'll find a group of people, I'll integrate it and we'll be talking. I was talking talking to a group um of people there and we were just chatting about whatever we were talking about. But then I needed the bathroom and I said, I don't know whose house this is. Can like whose house is this? Because I need to use the toilet. I don't want to just use the toilet. I want to ask permission and I want directions to where it is right and they said that that guy over there is his house i'm like okay so i just went to him to ask him where the toilet is his girlfriend <laughs> made her way from across the other side of the room to come and kiss his face right in front of me to let me know that her man was taken when all i wanted to do was release my bladder so when Whoa. those kind of things happen i just feel like you're you're insecure because you don't feel like they're yeah. going to be loyal to you and you, 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 yeah. you need everyone else in the room to know that you're together when really it should just be between the two of you, right? Mm. I fully get you on that one. I think there are some people like that. And I was reading an article and they're saying like some people who might even be close to breaking up might in public ah. show more affection so wow. people don't actually know what's going on in their relationship. And we've seen it with like celebrities. One minute they're on the red carpet and next month they're like, oh, they broke up. And you're just like, but I, I wish you sweet at the rewards, <laughs> like, like all over each other. So yeah. I think people do do it. I think for me, I'm, I'm like, I like, I like handholding in public. I have a little hug. I have a peck, but no tongues. Like I'm just, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I just, 
It makes it, I'd just be like, what, what are you doing? And my husband's very funny because he likes, he's very tactile in private. In public, you would think he was like a different person. I think for him, he's just like, we never, we never did that public thing right there. But in private, he'll be like, let's hold hands, let's hug, let's do this, let's that. But in public, I literally, sometimes I'll just kiss him in public just to freak him out. Because he'll be like, <laughs> take the kiss then, take the kiss. But he's not that So it makes me laugh. Oh my days. Really, I do. Oh my But you don't know a tactile person. But when you're in public, it's just like... I don't know what comes over me. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't mind if people I think if you're getting the affection that you need at home, like you don't need to prove anything. You don't need an audience, you know. But I yeah. think there's actually also something to be said um in terms of like the privilege that's attached to who can have public displays of affection. Yes, girl. Because yes, you know, we're yes. all talking about um heterosexual relationships mm, and yeah. there are some people you know like earlier we said there are some people of color who have to pass to white to pass as white to survive there are also people yeah. who can't display their affection for their partners in public if they're the same sex yeah. or even if they're mm. in an interracial relationship i mean i like personally like i remember i had this friend who i was quite close to and he was a white male he was actually gay but it's irrelevant because you can't look at him and be like you're gay you know what i mean like <laughs> so we're very comfortable with each other so you know we'd walk around sometimes and we'd hold hands but we'd always be together we'd always be talking we'd, we're just comfortable but the the looks that we would get I'd enter into a space and I'd, and I'd wonder why I didn't feel safe like why are people making mm. me feel like I'm not safe and then I realised mm. it's because they thought I was in an interracial relationship so I think wow. that there's also something to be said for you know same sex relationships and interracial relationships their PDA and what happens to them when when, when they're doing public displays of affection. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about this book that I read by Florence Giving called Women Don't Owe You Pretty. Great book, I'd recommend to anyone. She's a feminist and she's bisexual and she was talking about the reaction that she's gotten from people when she's been on a date with a woman. And she was just saying like, she dare not hold their hands, they dare not kiss in public because she was at the range of what's the word the range of hostility attention hostility attention the range of attention yeah. that they get there when there's either guys who are just like i'll oh, do it again it really turns me on or people who are just like they're afraid for their lives or it's just not a safe space and i didn't realize and i was reading about an article in advocate magazine or advocate online just how much pda we take for granted as heterosexual yeah. people or people yeah. who date people of the opposite sex and they were yeah. saying things like a back rub or a kiss on the cheek or like stroking someone's back stroking someone's arm moving an eyelash they were like these are things we have to overly think about as people who are attracted to um, to people of the same sex because you don't know what other people might do and what their reaction might be. So mm. I think as much as we're talking about it and it's funny, I think we should also not spare a thought, but just be mindful of how we, of the privilege that we have in being able to show affection, yeah. even if we're going to yeah. get a hand clap at the train station mm. when we're yeah. just getting that tongue kiss right there from Linda, yes. Mm. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> how long do we have to wait for a same-sex relationship making out and having this hot, steamy make-out session being applauded? How many, you know what I mean? How many more years are we going to have to wait for that? We'll have people on the train telling their children not to look or being like, oh, you're in public, can you not do this? And things like that. So it it, it is ridiculous. And I think for people who have the privilege of like 
I guess flying under the radar and I think if you're a person who dates the opposite sex you're flying under the radar if you are that kind of person you need to pay attention to when it's your time to step in as an ally and stand up for people because there was even the case in London of those two women to a lesbian couple yeah yeah they got beaten up they were holding hands and they got beaten up and it was ridiculous and then in sorry did who did they get beaten up by men yeah I'm pretty oh sure it was gosh. football hooligans. Oh my to be gosh, sorry. Don't want to oh blame everything gosh. on the football hooligans, but I'm pretty sure it was. That is disgusting. Um, yeah, and then that's in a, a couple of weeks later, there was also a same-sex couple, two women again, who had stones thrown at them um, because they were kissing. So I think, you know, like I said, if we're ever a witness to these kind of things, we need to then step in and check people, obviously, and just like protect people where you can. Yeah, I think for me, one time I was actually on the train and as I said to you ladies, like I'm a Christian and my faith, my faith is Christianity. And I was wearing this t-shirt, this was years ago and it was um, Jesus Junkie. And it was this really <laughs> cool, bright, loud oh, jumpers. I was, I was, I was just like, yeah. because it was cool, it was so funky. And I was on the train with these two <laughs> um, women and they were obviously a lesbian couple. And you know, like when you put on a t-shirt with a slogan or whatever, once you're wearing it, you're not really thinking about what you're Don't wearing. Don't think, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I saw these two women across from me looking really uncomfortable. Like they started fidgeting and just staring at me and just kind of looking, looking to the side. And I was thinking, what is going on? on like and I'm black so I'm like is it because I'm black and blah 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 but then I started kind of looking at my jumper and I could see that seeing Jesus junkie and wearing like my faith on a jumper for them it was a thing of we don't know how she's going to react like mm. we know that there are probably some Christians who are completely against us being together and mm. are really and like we don't know if this is going to be a dangerous situation for us and I think it's just, it was really interesting to see other people reacting to something that for me was just wasn't even a thought. I'm just like, I'm wearing yeah. a cool jumper, it's a nice colour. Mm. But for other people, they didn't know if they were going to be in some sort of danger. So it's mm. such a layered conversation talking about for real. in public. For real. Yeah. No, it really it can be, I'm just taking yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to take it all in, he's just like, I'm taking I it am. all in. Because <laughs> I just even, like, we're talking about people being beaten. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, Love it's true. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we all just got to check our privilege, guys, and just <laughs> honestly just use it where we can, like use it to other people's advantage whenever we can, honestly. Yeah. Yep. And I think in regards to public displays of affection, I think we've kindly deciphered in this group that it really is up to each to their own. <laughs> each yeah. to their own in regards. But like, Linda, I'm actually impressed that you've got a round of applause. I know how shocking it is, but I've seen so many people make out in public and I've never seen them getting applause. So it really makes me think, what were you doing? <laughs> that That's true. Girl. That's true. She's an impressive kisser. She's a great kisser. What can we say? It's because, like I said, the couple's so hot. Like, you're such a hot couple. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> people make only fans for you. Linda, was it, Linda, was it raining? <laughs> Were you kidding? Was like it raining? Video, what does that mean? It's like an R&B video when it, the rain's coming down. Was it raining? Honestly, I'm serious. It's like an R&B video. I'm telling you. You guys are not serious, right? You guys are not serious. <laughs> okay. So, thank you so much for watching episode 11 of Ethnically Speaking. We've loved every minute and if you have to, don't forget to give us a thumbs up now let's keep the conversation going what do you think about pda do you like you know to kiss it up in public like our girl linda or do you like to keep it private like me let me know down below in the comments 
For the summary of everything we've spoken about today, head over to unitedmelaningroup.com slash ES0011. There is a link in the description below. If you are watching it on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you do not miss a thing. Uh, we'll be here at the same time next week. Thank you so much for watching and stay safe and stay alert. Hi, I'm Anissa and you've been listening to Ethnically Speaking.